I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. I am so happy to have you back on the BU Find Happy podcast. It's funny that as I was, you know, trying to connect with you here, I was like, wow, it's been a year. And I'm sure you've done all sorts of incredible, amazing and wonderful things since then. Um, perhaps you can bring the listeners up to speed on what you've been working on, what you have going on and who you are in general. You've got a lot um, in, in terms of your resume and I'd love for you to share it. Sure. Well, it's great to be with you again, Michaela. Um, I am a physician at Stanford and professor in the medical school, pediatric uh, cardiac anesthesiologist and intensive care physician, a researcher on uh, developmental pharmacology. And I've been on sabbatical actually working on my third book, which is about teenagers. It's called A Mindful Teen. And uh, commensurate with that, I've actually been working with uh, a wonderful group in Portland called Peace in Schools, and my dear friend, Cavalry Morgan, started that program. She and I have the same Advaita teacher, so we've been going on retreat for the last 10 years together, and she was a Buddhist monk. She started this program in one school. It's a, it's a, basically, it's a sitting with teens in the school to learn and practice mindfulness, and it's now in eight or nine or 10 schools in Portland, and we're working to get it into some schools in the Bay Area. I'm also working with a, a education group on the East Coast. And in fact, uh, this week, we all have a conference call. I'm putting the two together to see if we can get some synergy. So I think education for teens is, is a huge issue, and uh, it fits in well with my book, A Mindful Teen, which is in progress. Otherwise, um, you know, doing a lot of consulting uh, and fitness as usual, uh, doing my own gain meditation practice and teaching it to others, doing a lot of interviews still like this one for uh, in relationship to my first book and, uh, you know, keeping busy, but maybe taking a little bit of pressure off the gas pedal. Ah, uh, so you just hit the nail on the head, right? Like, um, I recently attended an incredible um, program in Petaluma called Love to Pivot at the Glass House um, for entrepreneurial type people, for really anybody, but especially entrepreneurial type people whose um, overachieving narratives are rooted in, you know, relational trauma, attachment, et cetera. And it was fabulous. And so um, one of the things that I've been working on myself is you know, really making a, an intentional effort to decide what I'm, what I'm taking on and what I'm passing on. Um, and, you know, I don't have to prove everything to everybody all the time. And I think that this is something that our teenagers um, have been struggling with. You know, I read a fabulous book. I, we might have talked about it when you were on talking about gain called Simplicity Parenting, really talking about the way that we've just completely over inundated our children and teens, especially with expectations about you know, what and who we want them to be and how that pendulum has kind of swung from 
the millennial generation to what we're now seeing with the teens that are coming up. So I'd love for you to talk more about uh, mindfulness. There was also a really fascinating um, doctor that I just listened to this morning, and she was talking about how they're struggling so much to fit in that they're really, um, you know, they're kind of doing things that are, you know, engaging in risky behavior, um, especially when it comes to nudity and things like that online. Really curious about your thoughts and what you've seen there. Well, you know, that's uh, a very important point. I think the the whole online experience in all of its manifestations has presented a lot of challenges. And, you know, like all of our technologic advances has good sides and bad sides. And, of course, teens are famously possessing uh, frontal cortices, the part of their brain that <laughs> regulates what we might call executive uh, function and decision-making is not fully developed. And we see a lot of evidence of that. And I think just being online, uh, you know, it's great to connect with other people. Um, it's just like when radio first became a thing and the telephone first became a thing, people were worried that people would stop getting together in person. They'd just be talking on the phone. And then, you know, that seems a little bit humorous now, but the same issues arose along the way with the internet and, and then all of the various media for connecting online. And of course, there's a downside to that too, like with every other advance uh, in technology and, and a lot of shaming and bullying and pressure, uh, but so many things and so many things people in my generation never experienced. Do, do, should I wear a Kevlar vest to school today? Uh, is there going to be a planet that's habitable for my children and my grandchildren? Uh, you know, what's happening in politics? Why are people so divided? Uh, every time I get together with adults, they seem to be arguing over, you know, their opposite opinions. And why are people so intolerant? And, and of course, drugs and so many other things that were not really a big issue when when I was a teenager. So I think, you know, the, the role of parenting is larger than ever. You know, my parents kind of gave me free reign and it worked out OK. Uh, I think that's no longer a good idea. I think that parents have to be really in touch with themselves and, and be very purposeful about the way they raise their kids. Not that that hasn't always been the case, but, um, you know, the I and gain is intention. And I think we all need for our personal lives and for our relationships with others. And particularly if you have kids, your children, the intention needs to be first and foremost, we need to be purposeful. We need to have a plan. And I think that's more important than ever. And so many don't. And so many don't even realize why they're doing what they're doing. They're acting or reacting rather than being proacting or proactive in their world and their environment. And it's amazing when you start going through the world with this level of intention, how, uh, you know, you really start to make decisions from a space that is a lot healthier than when you're in reactive mode. Um, you know, I know I can give you an example. So I recently I learned that I have was having a systemic nickel allergy. But up until I knew what was going on, I was literally throwing everything at the wall trying to, you know, solve this, this basically contact dermatitis that I was having. 
and uh, not really understanding what was going on. And when it finally, you know, when it was finally identified, then I was, I was going through the world with this intention of like, I'm avoiding nickel, you know, I'm not going to put any products on my face that have nickel in it. I'm not going to do anything that's going to kind of create harm for me. I'm going to be really mindful. And I think that this is something where you're saying, you know, you're, you're working with teenagers on mindfulness. Look, if you're, if you're intentionally doing something with a person, another person that you're maybe interested in or dating or whatever, that is very different than if you're reacting because you feel like you have to fit in or something like that. Well, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it, it really starts with our own emotional and spiritual health. And one of my heroes in life is Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, who's really a founder of mindfulness as we know it. And he defined mindfulness in a way that I would define happiness as well. Awareness of the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. And there's a lot to unpack there. I think the on purpose though, which is what we're discussing, is key. And the reason is, I think fundamentally, that our brains are wired in ways that apparently veil or interfere with our ability to be happy. And they include a negativity bias. We tend to focus on the negative, remember the negative, embrace it, and forget about the positive. And we're also very distracted with the past and the future in ways that are maladaptive. And I, I can postulate how our brains evolved this way over tens of thousands of years from early Homo sapiens who was in a cave keeping a fire going and had to be very wary that there could be a saber-toothed tiger lurking outside the mouth of their cave. And if they were wary and a little bit catastrophizing and very focused on what might happen next rather than the present moment, maybe they lived longer, had more offspring, and, and the genes that code for those behaviors propagated in the population. But those are no longer necessarily adaptive ways to think and be. And so if we want to be present and more positive and happy, we have to have a plan. If we just sort of relax into our old habits and the way our brains are wired, we're going we're gonna to suffer from those maladies of distraction with past and future and our negativity bias. So the good news is our brains have this wonderful quality called neuroplasticity. And so if we can have a daily practice, ideally with intention, um, and I love your emphasis on gratitude, uh, but I also think we have to accept the pain in life. So there's the G and the A in gain. The I being intention itself and the N being non-judgment as in Dr. Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness. If we can really focus on those things, even have a brief daily practice, we can reprogram the way we think and experience life. And that's the good news. So a couple of thoughts that I'm having as you're talking and, and one of them is I agree. I mean, I think gratitude only goes so far and you really have to have a little level of grit and resiliency. Um, you know, but also is this idea that, um, when we look at the world a little differently, we can make decisions from a healthier place. And one of the things that I'm curious about, you know, what you're seeing in terms of what you're working on and things is, do you find that, teenagers are still in a space like they always have been of just trying to fit in. And so kind of doing the next, the next big thing. Um, it, you know, I think of things like these TikTok challenges and various different things that they do sometimes that seem crazy. I recently read an article about a teenager who burned like 80% of his body 
doing one of these TikTok challenges. I mean, do you think that, that that's something that biologically we're programmed for? And then the other thing that I wanted to share with you is I recently was listening to, a, I believe it was a podcast, and the guy was talking about how to be successful in business. And he said, you know, the number one thing for me is if somebody brings something to my team, I, you know, I don't immediately start asking them what went wrong. I make sure that I ask them what you did right. He said, if a caveman, you know, brought a bunch of blueberries to back to the people in his tribe, you know, the people certainly didn't go, well, what could you have done better? How could you have done it better? And no, instead they're going to say, you know, where did you find the blueberries? How did you find the blueberries? How did you pick the blueberries? How did you not get eaten by a saber tooth tiger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, is that, is that something that plays into it too? Is it, can that be a positive thing that, you know, human mind is programmed to problem solve? I mean, this is why therapy works so well because we can ask questions and humans are hardwired to answer them. We just really are. Is that part of an important component for teenagers in your, in your opinion? Absolutely. Well, I think what you just described is the negativity bias that might be hardwired into the way we think and experience. And on the other hand, the positivity that can we can also express. And so, yeah, here's the blueberries instead of, okay, where are the strawberries or right. some other negative thing, which might be our, our initial way to react. Um, I mean, I think right. if somebody brings us something delicious to eat, we're not generally negative about it, but we, we often do see the world that presents all this positive experience uh, initially in a negative way. And we have to we have to really rewire that way of thinking and being. So first of all, I think yes, uh, you're right. I think that the, being positive is a choice. Um, we may tend to be negative. You know, I think a lot of people get out of bed in the morning, sometimes myself included, and the first thoughts we have are negative, and maybe they're the same negative thoughts we had the day before and the day before that. Oh, you know, my knee is bothering me, uh, and instead of all the miraculous ways that the rest of our bodies are working. Um, and so we need to be intentional about turning that around and being more positive. And I think gratitude is part of that. These, these gain elements are all very much interrelated. Um, I think that the first question you asked about teenagers, and again, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, the book that I'm writing now is called The Mind Teen, and my co-author is a guy named John Rector, who was at Stanford. He's a PhD psychologist who treats teenagers with a mindfulness-based approach. So he's really the expert on teens, but I've certainly treated teens myself quite a lot in my career in medicine and just done a lot of reading and conversing with John and learned a lot. Uh, yeah, I think the first thing that you brought up about the, the, uh, that awful, tragic thing you mentioned uh, is a manifestation of risky behavior. Again, it's the way that teens' brains are developed or underdeveloped at that stage. And I think that's that's always been the case as a developmental component of the way the, the teenage brain evolves, at least, you know, for the last century or so. I, I don't know about 10,000 years ago, but because um, then probably teenagers had to be more like adults. Um, but I think that risk uh, embracing behavior combined with all of the opportunities that 
the negative aspects of the online world present uh, create real hazards. And, and that's just a terrible story. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I think this is the, the good and bad of the technology in which our teenagers are have grown up. And even my kids, who are adults now, grew up in that point-and-click computer age. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good and bad, just like with everything else about technology. And so, yes, I think you're absolutely right. And so how can parents, like, you know, help? How can parents, you know, be supportive in a world that they probably don't fully understand um, because it's changing so rapidly? You know, they didn't, the parents certainly didn't grow up with this level of technology. At least I know I'm raising teenagers and (laughs) my dad had, you know, one of those like ginormous suitcase cell phones in the center console (laughs) when I was a kid. Um, you know, we just didn't grow up with that. We, we maybe had Nintendo for the, for those that are my age with teenagers, my age, you know, how, how can they educate themselves about the different challenges and, you know, really be careful on how they're engaging with their teens based upon the fact that we know teenagers are, you know, trying to individuate their whole mission is you don't know, I know better. Like how, how can parents, navigate that when truly in some of these cases, they don't know what their kids are going through in terms of social media, et cetera. That's a great question. And I think parents have to be, they have to do their homework and really be tuned in. I think the first principle is, uh, you know, as we know from the overhead announcement before the airline uh, aircraft takes off, put your own oxygen mask on first. So I think that parents are really well served by having a mindfulness-based approach to their own lives, to, you know, to be great, grateful, accepting, intentional, non-judgmental, or as Dr. Kevin Zinn would say, you know, learn how to be aware of the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. It starts with the parent. And, you know, our kids are just so observant of our behavior. And not only do they ask us a lot of questions, some of which we might struggle with how to best answer. Um, my kids certainly ask me a lot of questions about what I did that I don't necessarily want them to do when I was a teenager. Uh, but I think it starts with the parent really focusing on their own spiritual wellness as well as their physical fitness because the kids are taking a page from that as well. You know, if mom and dad are going out on a bike ride, you know, maybe that's something I could join them and do. Maybe I can emulate these behaviors that seem to be making mom and dad really happy. So starting, I think, with one's own fitness in the broad sense of that word. And then, yes, I think parents have to be more engaged than ever in learning about their teenager's experience through their teachers, through the school, um, just doing research on all of these online platforms that teenagers are engaged in. Uh, But I, I really would emphasize that it starts with the parent themselves. You know, I, I, so in all the parents, or I should say, I work mostly with couples and individual women, you know, the itty bitty shitty committee is quite powerful (laughs) in terms of what it says, how it says it, when it says it on everything from, you know, 
self to relationships to our children. And so I think that, you know, I think you bring up a good point that, you know, if you want to model something, you've got to kind of have it down yourself. And it's to me, it's shocking and surprising that there isn't more of these basic life skills being taught in the school systems and stuff. I mean, certainly if you were, you know, a teenager in caveman days, you learned all the things you needed to survive. And I feel like some of the stuff that we're teaching kids is just absolutely not critical to their survival. And so what are we doing? You know? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's the reason that I'm um, engaged in the peace in schools program and also in a, in another program for child centered education on the East coast. I, I, you know, this is heretical, but I don't know why we put so much emphasis on say mathematics. So I'm a, physician and a scientist, and I do use some higher math in my pharmacokinetic modeling, but uh, I actually partner with somebody else who is devoted almost full time to that. When is the last time, Michaela, you solved the equation 3x squared plus 2y equals 17.5? I'm not sure I ever did. I I straight (laughs) flunked out of math. I mean, that was the only D I ever got. I got straight A's. I only got one D and it was literally in algebra. (laughs) Well, you know, it's just like algebra and geometry beyond the basics and certainly pre-calculus and calculus. I mean, those are sort of the backbone of what stress kids out in school and what what education lane they're in and so on. And I would replace those with uh, courses as I've offered at the local high school in sleep physiology, exercise physiology, nutrition, um, mindfulness, certainly. Uh, well, foremost. you know, and if you've got a knack for math and you're just driven in that way, genetically speaking, you get it. You're you're going to find yourself headed and gravitated toward a career or careers in that way. And you're going to gain the necessary secondary education that you need to have that. I mean, I just recently, uh, not recently now, it's been a couple of years, but got my pilot's license. And I recently went to go for my commercial. And, you know, part of the commercial exam is these moment arm weight and balance CG questions. And it's a hundred question test. You've got to pass with a 70 or better. And I'm literally like, okay, I'm just going to immediately mark those as I'm not getting them right. I'm not going to put forth (laughs) the time in this multiple choice question, you know, to figure it out. I'm going to do a best guess and I'm going to just assume that's going to be one of my 30 that I miss, you know, times however many of those problems there were, because I can sit there and burn an hour and a half, like a monkey trying to do this math problem. And really when I go to fly, there's electronics that are going to do that math for me. I'm not going to sit there with a pencil and paper. You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I I do. Obviously, you know, uh, some higher level math is intrinsically important if you're going to be an electrical engineer or what have you, but those are really a relatively small number of people. And as you said, they can get more of that in college and if they go to graduate school. I just... I think that in middle school, you know, the pressure to get in these math lanes and end up in high school getting all these uh, AP courses in higher mathematics and so on, that's fine for a very limited number of people. But I don't think it should be the backbone of what determines what lane you're in and, uh, you know, your test scores for college admission and so on. 
rather, I think, yes, we should be emphasizing more life skills. And, and Well, and you know what they didn't teach me? How to balance my checkbook. They didn't teach me how to do my taxes. Like, those are things I needed walking out of high school. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, 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 how, how do you, you know, like, I feel like the, the, some of this critical stuff is missing. And so this is why my son, he definitely got my, you know, gravitational pull toward the English and art side of things. And so he struggles a lot with math and I see the way his self-talk is so bad and he beats himself up so much. And, you know, I got him a tutor because there's just these certain things where he has to come in and be at a certain level. But I'm like, dude, they're here to help you. It is what it is like, chill out. You know, if this is not your thing, you're going to get through school and you're going to find what is your thing. You know, I, and then I can tell him straight up, like, look, mom doesn't use this stuff at all, like at all, you know, but here's the things you, that you probably should learn how, how to take a look at a receipt and know how much money you gave the cashier and make sure that you're getting the right amount of money back right? Like that, that's something you need to know. And, oh, this is so shocking. Kids these days, they'll be at the pizza place or whatever, we're ordering and I'll hand a hundred and it's, you know, $27 and 36 cents. They hand me this wad of change and they're like, here you go. And I'm like, okay, I handed you a hundred, count it back. And they're like, well, it's, you know, whatever, however much the change is. It's like, no, no, no. My mom taught me, you start from the change and you go, okay, if, if they gave you 20, you know, it's a hundred and it was 27, 26. You're, you're starting from the change and then you're going 28, 29, 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, like you're counting back their change in a way that you're verifying. Kids don't have that skill these days. Well, I think, you know, it at all. addition and subtraction are important. There's no question about that. Certainly multiplication. Yes. But beyond that, you know, I think we get a little bit, I, again, you know, I think we overemphasize math as one example and underemphasize something that I think is more important. And that is, uh, you know, mindfulness, how to deal with the stress that you're going to experience as a teenager, how to deal yeah. with your judgment of others and most harshly yourself. So yes. how to be not learn to be more non-judgmental. And, and again, also, I would say beside mindfulness, beside learning what gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment are and how to practice them, and how to center yourself when you're feeling stressed and you're feeling uh, a lot of self-blame and, and low self-esteem. And then also things related to sleep, you know, the importance of sleep, the physiology of sleep, because that's a huge issue for teenagers. Um, you know, a friend of mine has a daughter who's 15 years old and she does cheer. And so she goes to school and then she's in cheer for three hours afterwards. And she sleeps from... 1 a.m. until 6 a.m. when she has to get up and 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 do her cheer workout and and start her classes and so sleep is so important and learning the importance of it and how it affects the brain body and also exercise and nutrition hugely important and you know most teenagers and most adults know very little about these things and I, I wish they were uh, more highly represented in school. Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming on. As always, we put everything in the show notes, but where can listeners get a hold of your new book? Well, it's not, it's going to be a while till it's out. Actually, one thing that I never even thought of until my book agent brought it to my attention is that the supply chain issues which persist affect paper. 
So publishers are way behind in publishing books, even though they publish them as audiobooks also. They like to have a paper version come out. But we're just now um, looking for a larger publisher. So it'll be probably a year or more before the book comes out. But uh, they can find me on uh, online at GregHammerMD, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D.com. Um, my first book's on Amazon. You can find it through that link. And, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all the other things my social media team do that I don't pay any attention to. <laughs> GregHammerMD.com is a good place to start. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I'm sure I'll visit with you again soon. I sure hope so, Michaela. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.